Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm Melissa Jezior, your host. On this podcast, we have conversations with top culture makers in the world today from varied industries and backgrounds to unpack the visible and not so visible forces that make up culture and often overlook superpower of organizations. I'm intrigued to learn from elite athletes and top coaches about their philosophy on organizational culture, as well as learn some strategies and tactics for building and sustaining winning cultures. I'm here today with one of my esteemed colleagues, Lindsay Henson. She grew up playing soccer, was ranked as the top player in the state of North Carolina, and went on to play with some of the most successful teams in college sports, the University of North Carolina. And then after that, she went into professional soccer and played along some really uh, well-known players like Mia Hamm and Abby Wambach. So I'm really excited to sit down with Lindsay. Lindsay's been with Eagle Hill for three years and to understand a little bit more about her journey in terms of how she got into soccer and some of the lessons that she has learned playing soccer into her day-to-day work life as being a working mom and kind of learn a little bit more about your journey. So with that, I'm going to jump right in and maybe just let's start with how did you get into soccer? So like many things in life, I got into soccer by following my brother. Mm. So (laughs) my brother and I are two years apart. Mm -hmm. And so, well, of course, I was really young. I was four when we started, when I started playing soccer. Yeah, tiny, right? One of those kids where the shin guards go up to the knee and then like the shorts (laughs) go over the knee. So you actually don't see any leg. That was me when I started playing soccer. Um, So I, of course, started when I was four. And as my mom tells me, like the rest was kind of history. I loved it. So really, you loved it right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, I loved it. Because it was something I got to run around and ch- chase a ball and mm-hmm. hang out with friends. And so I was kind of hooked, apparently, from early on. Early on. And so did you immediately go into, like, the travel teams? And you? So I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is, you know, this is, a, I don't want to say how long ago, but let's just say <laughs> not very long ago long at all. Ago <laughs> when I was a youth soccer player, right? Um, and so soccer was still kind of up and coming in the country. And mm-hmm. there were other kind of grassroots youth programs. Mm-hmm. I would say the infrastructure we have today around youth soccer did not exist back in that day. Um, but we did in Raleigh have a um, what they used to call select club teams. Okay. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like travel soccer now in kind of the local D.C. world. Um, and so I tried out for and I don't know that. I don't even think at the time they had a, a girls team. Yep. And so I, of course, tried out for the boys team. I was like, why not? I've been playing with boys since I was, you know, four. Yep. So let's give it a go. So I remember in second grade, I tried out for the Raleigh Caps. Funny story on making that team. Again, so my mom kind of reminds me. So I was the, I think I was one of the only girls who tried out for the team. And flash forward to like a week later after the tryouts, my my mom gets a call from the coach. And the coach calls and says, hey, Super excited. We just want to let you know that we thought Lindsay was a great player. Mm-hmm. He's going to add a lot to the team. Oh, we no. think he's terrific. <laughs> and my mom's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? And she's like, that's fantastic. But just to let you know, Lindsay's a girl. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, And so when did you start to realize then that you had this uh, kind of amazing potential inside of you? Hmm. I don't know. I might currently deny that I had that right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. Um, I mean, I think I knew pretty early on. I think yeah. from, I feel really fortunate I played with the boys, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up um, because playing with the boys, especially as I got into middle school, it was a very fast paced game. They're very physical. You think about, you know, sixth, yeah. seventh, eighth grade boys. I mean, they're getting like yeah. muscles. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Getting really fast and really strong. The game is very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really changed. And so I think at that point, like as I was 
kind of getting into that age range and realizing I can still keep up. It's gotten a lot harder, but I'm still able to keep up. And I think a lot of that experience shaped the way I played Mm -hmm. because I knew I couldn't compete from like a speed and physical kind of nature, Mm -hmm. but I could compete with like how I played. And I was always very good about positioning and Mm -hmm. I knew where to be and I was able to make the passes and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it was around kind of that time frame Mm -hmm. that I realized like, oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. This is great. But really, I would say even though it was really not until high school that I realized like, oh, I might actually have some skills in this, like (laughs) decent skills in this. So how did soccer then shape your decisions and like terms of college and where you wanted to go to school and how you wound up at UNC? That was an interesting process. Mm -hmm. So, so I transitioning into high school, Mm -hmm. I went from, I finally was like, okay, enough is enough. I can't like, I need to move into playing with, Mm -hmm. with women and with girls. Um, And so I switched clubs and in doing that, I was fortunate enough to get on a team called the Raleigh Spartans. Mm -hmm. And that was a great, great experience. So Mm -hmm. the coach of that team, his name is Izzy Hernandez, Mm -hmm. and he was our club coach, but he was also my high school team coach. Mm -hmm. So I got really fortunate to kind of get to know him and he got to know me very well as a player. And through that experience, we got a lot of exposure at different tournaments, So it was about at that time, we went as a team to the UNC women's soccer camp. So UNC has a long, kind of a very uh, well-known and kind of well thought of Mm -hmm. summer camp program. Okay, They do camp. I mean, it is run like a machine now, but they do a camp every week and, you know, multiple times a summer. And so our team went as a team one time and it was coming out of that experience Mm -hmm. that I thought, okay, maybe... Maybe I'll play. Maybe I'll be lucky enough to play in college, right? So I got home from camp, and a couple weeks later, I get a handwritten note from Anson Dorrance, mm-hmm. which is like, hey, and Anson Dorrance, for those of you who don't know, he's the um, head coach of the UNC women's soccer team, which okay. is, you know, UNC has been this dynasty mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. I don't even know when, like 70, late 70s, okay. early 80s, right? And so I, I me, little Lindsay from like Raleigh, yeah. you know, it's not that far from Chapel Hill, but still. Um, you know, get this handwritten note from Anson just basically saying, hey, saw you play at camp, was really impressed, looking forward to like continuing to watch you play and grow as you kind of progress in your high school years. And so it was that moment. I was like, wow, that maybe 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 I can be good enough to play soccer somewhere, you know. And then how when did you kind of like narrow the field and decide UNC was uh, was you was for you? Let's see. It was probably not that long after I got that. Answer. Okay. <laughs> How did the transition go when you actually got into college? Like, and you're clearly playing at a, a whole different level. Like, mm-hmm. how did you seek help when you needed it? How did how did that go? Yeah, it was rough at first. Yeah. Um, so I went from, you know, my high school career leading up to my high school career. You know, I would say I was kind of one of the better people, if not one of the best people mm-hmm. on the team. And I was kind of used to that. When I got to Carolina, I mean, Carolina was full of people that were the most high caliber players in each of their age group. And I came in with a very strong class. Um, There's this thing called Parade All-American, which is the top, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of 20 kids in the country and they're given that award. And so Mm -hmm. I think my class had multiple Parade Mm -hmm. All-Americans. And so I come in and I never forget the first week at Carolina, one of the things, it's it's called preseason, right? You come in before the season starts Mm -hmm. and you got to start, start to get acclimated. And so the first thing that you do is called fitness testing. And I failed, I think probably three out of the five fitness tests, Mm -hmm. which I was mortified, you know, Mm -hmm. mortified. I'd always been taught, you know, my coach in high school had always taught me, 
if nothing else, just be fit. Yeah. Um, so I was mortified and I had to go to a thing called breakfast club and breakfast club is if you failed any of the fitness tests. <laughs> yeah. This is not like the movie, right? <laughs> this is not like the movie. So you had to go to breakfast club, which is for that week. I think, I think you had to go for a week, but until you kind of basically passed the test again, uh-huh. until you had the opportunity to, to pass it, you had to go and run extra in the morning. It was a rough start. <laughs> So tell me what, what, after playing at these, at this amazing level in college, what, what did you really find to be the difference between, in terms of mindset Mm -hmm. uh, of the players that were really great and the players that were truly premier players? Mm. So we, we used to always talk about this mindset of like refuse to lose. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked a lot about it at Carolina too. It's just Mm -hmm. like you Anson's thing was building character. He wasn't just about building a great soccer team or building great individual Mm -hmm. soccer players. I mean, he basically was focused on building the character of the players in the team. And so we had this, I mean, he used to say this thing called, you know, you're just tough as shit. Mm -hmm. That was like his thing. You just got to be tough as shit. Mm -hmm. And that was what he expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that mindset of refuse to lose permeated everything we did. So have you found then that type of mentality has translated for you in terms of how you manage with your own teams and how you, um, how you interact with your, I was even thinking about this when you were talking about how you managed your, your, your life with, like, I imagine some of that comes back into play again, now being a working mother, right? You're doing many things at once. Um, so I'm curious to hear how some of those have kind of like shaped you and to like, who you are um, today and how you operate not only in your own life, but as uh, as t- on creating teams as well. Yeah. So I think one of the first things that I think of when I think about that and how it's kind of carried me forward to where I am now in terms of a working mom and all that is just kind of no whining. We had this thing at Carolina that was just, <laughs> you don't whine. You know, just it may be hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, just don't whine. Yeah. Like if you need to whine, you just need to to walk away and do it because it's not acceptable here. Like you may not like it and you're welcome to tell that with me. Please don't do it in a whiny voice. Please don't want, you know, it's just, there's nothing to be done about that. Right. Um, So I think that notion of like toughness and, but I think how that translates like the mental toughness of, you know, adversity, adversity of, and something bad happens at work and it's like, okay, don't sit and wallow around Mm -hmm. it. Right. Just what can you do to fix it? Or like, how do you quickly get into solution, you know, like problem solving or, there's no, nothing good to be happened by just sitting and whining about things. Yeah. Um, my kids probably hate that. That's something that I <laughs> <laughs> really value. I heard this morning. So hot off the presses, we, you know, bus comes at eight 30 to pick up my kids. Right. And so we're usually outside kicking the soccer ball around eight ten. This morning I overhear my 11 year old son tell my seven year old son, well, you know, if you just want to like have fun playing soccer and not really get any better, you just keep doing what you're doing and kick the ball against the wall with no purpose. But if you want to get better, like I'll play with you and I'll help you practice. And I just thought, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> I got to tell you, I was so torn. I was like, some part of me is really proud of you right now, but some part of me is feeling sad for my seven-year-old. <laughs> But I just think that that notion of like toughness and like the will to get want to get better mm-hmm. and that kind of um, I think that's something that clearly I'm translating to my kids for better or worse. <laughs> um, but I think from a working perspective, like in the working world, I think the one thing that all of my soccer experiences have taught me is 
as much as you can figure out how do you be adaptable to any new environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I played on a ton of teams growing up. Mm-hmm. I played on teams where I was the only girl mm-hmm. with a team full of boys. I played on a team where I was 10 and everyone else was 14. And, yeah. you know, um, I played on just a ton of different teams. And through that, one thing I was always able to do was fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. It's not fit in to like lose yourself, but it's like, say, mm-hmm. I'm confident and know what I can contribute to this team. Yep. And I need to figure out how to fit in fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that is a very applicable thing in the working world because mm-hmm. we're all in different teams. Like you could be on three different teams in a day. You could be on a leadership team. You could be on your project team. You yep. could be on your, you know, peer team. Yeah. There's a lot of different teams that you play in every day. Yeah. It's like, how do you fit in and how do you be confident in what you're contributing to that team, but yep. yet also kind of enhance the team dynamic. So growing up in my career, I was always the assist person, right? Mm-hmm. I was the person who liked to pass the other person who was going to score at the ball. Yeah. <laughs> that was just what I liked. It was what I was good at, all that kind of thing. And um, knowing you today, that's still, I would still, yeah. yes, that still very much describes you. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I want to set you yeah. up to score. Yeah. I don't want to be the person who scores, <laughs> but I'm super happy to support you in that. <laughs> it is very much how I am still today. Well, it's classic midfielder, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a midfielder. I played some defense too, but you know, the midfielder, like the, the persona of the midfielder is the one who like runs like tirelessly, selflessly all over the field, chasing everything mm-hmm. and then passing the other, the person, the ball versus, you know, uh, scoring the goal. But um, this woman, Rye Johnson, I was a sophomore in high school. Rye was a senior mm-hmm. and Rye was our score. She was the score, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, other people scored too, but when you think about who really uh, carried that load for the team, it was mm-hmm. Rye. So we did very well that season. We were getting into the conference uh, tournament and next thing you know, Rye broke her leg, mm-hmm. was out for the rest of the season. And I'll never forget my high school coach coming up to me almost quite literally at the same time, you know, after we got Rye taken care of, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, well, so your role needs to change now <laughs> and you got to, you know, got to switch the mindset. Like, I know you like being the person who give the other people the ball and they score, but we need you to score. Like we have a conference tournament to get through. Mm-hmm. We've got state tournament to get through. Like we need you to change yeah. your role and think about that differently. And I need you to score goals now. And I just never forget, like, I appreciated his directness in yeah. that because it wasn't my natural You know, it just wasn't naturally kind of what I thought of for myself. Um, But I think that is something, too, when you think about translating it kind of in all parts of your life, I think being clear on roles. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's really in in good teams, people are clear on their roles. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a clarity around what is it that I'm going to contribute. And there's also a willingness to say that may not be what I need to contribute tomorrow. But today, I know what what I'm contributing. Exactly. Um, And so... I also thought it was such an interesting thing. I was like, but I'm the team player. And I was like having this internal wrestling, like I can't be the team player and be the, like, you know, the propped up goal goal scorer. (laughs) Clearly not right. Right. Like I was, you know, off basis in my thinking around that, but I just remember struggling with that. I was like, Oh, but I don't want to be the score. I don't want to be the one out front. Like I'm the team player. I'm the assist person. So. So how did that work then? How did, how did you, did you, did you, I assume you transitioned roles? I transitioned roles. I mean, I think, you know, um, it's not a black and white, right? Like I still kind you of know, played my style, yeah. but instead of having a shot and then passing it to Rye, who might be a little bit more open, I took the shot. Yeah. Right. I think so. It's again, it's that mindset. It's not a radical shift, but for me, mentally, it was a radical shift. But, you know, practically on the field, it was not that radical of a shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that. 
is a clear, like I've noticed about kind of my soccer career and my kind of professional mm -hmm. career is something that, that I think sense. I've been able to pull forward. Yeah. So after you've been on so many teams, can you, have you been on any teams where there wasn't really a good, strong team culture? Mm. And can you think of another place where you, there was really a good, strong team culture? And what do you think contributed to both? I would say in terms of teams where maybe the culture, and I would say, wasn't that it wasn't a good culture. It just wasn't a good culture yet. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that was probably my first year in the professional league. Mm -hmm. So I played with the Washington Freedom and that was an environment where you had the best players, you know, from all over the country and the world coming together to play with these eight, um, this new women's professional league. Mm -hmm. And there were eight teams in the league. And um, the process to form the teams was that they basically split up the national team players and divvied them up mm -hmm. against the eight different teams. Mm -hmm. And then they pulled in some of the top elite international players and gave those to the teams. Mm -hmm. And then they did a draft with primarily the rest of the U.S. field mm -hmm. um, of the top talent. And I think the challenge there is that that first season, we were just, a lot of us didn't know each other. I, I had the fortunate, you know, I fortunate enough to know Mia Hamm. She was on the Freedom. Um, and so I knew her and I knew some other players, but you're basically bringing this team together for the mm -hmm. first time. People hadn't played together. You had lots of people from different, gener you know, you had the Mias of the world and, and kind of all the age ranges in between up into 20, 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, a, it took a while for our team to really find its groove and to figure out what type of team do we want to be. And then coming back the second year, mm -hmm. it was night and day difference. We'd had the off season mm -hmm. to bond and yep. to get to know each other. And I think coming back, we had a, a stronger sense of like, what are the roles we each needed to play? What is the culture we wanted for the team? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. We wanted to, you know, have the kind of hallmark of work hard. We mm -hmm. always wanted to, again, going back to that notion of like, we wanted to outrun other teams and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I think that would be one where it was, it just took a while. Mm -hmm. um, the best cultures. Yeah. It's funny. I, I've talked a lot about U, my UNC days, but to talk a little bit about a different team, which is this club team that I played for in high school. Mm -hmm. And that team, we end up winning the national championship, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge coup mm -hmm. for a Raleigh, North Carolina mm -hmm. team uh -huh. to win a national championship. Because um, at the time, again, there were certain like certain states you expected to have those high calibers mm -hmm. like Florida, Texas, California. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe up in St. Louis, you'd have teams come mm -hmm. from there and they'd win. Um, but our team we basically pulled players from all over the state and we worked together. We stayed together as a team for multiple years. And I, what I think was interesting about that culture and what made us so effective is we were definitely a team with no egos. <laughs> you know, we were all yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, had very um, just come from different parts of the state and just coming together. We didn't have a lot of egos. We didn't have, other than having them for ourselves, I don't feel like people, especially when we went to that national championship, had a lot of expectations for us. In the semifinals, we played the team who had won it, I think, the year before and beat them. And then the in the finals, we ended up playing this team from California who I think had won maybe the year before. the year before. So each team had won it previously. Okay. And we're like, oh, well, we're the new man on the scene, yeah. I guess, right? Um, and I think just, again, that refuse to lose mentality we talked about. Yeah. We were losing, I want to say, 80 minutes in. Soccer games are 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So we had 10 minutes left and we're losing 2 nothing. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, you know. This it could have gone two ways, right? We could have said, "All right, well, we're going to lose this yeah, game," yeah. and wow, good for us for making it to the championship. Instead, we scored two goals in ten minutes mm -hmm. and ended up winning in uh, penalty kicks um, 
and won the national championship. Yeah. So I think that that culture of we were very selfless because again, it was like we were all kind of just I don't know, we we weren't didn't people didn't have expectations for us. We kind of created them for ourselves, but mm-hmm. we just refused to lose. Oh, I love that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest takeaway, I guess, after playing in all these different teams and different levels of teams and different types of cultures that you um, that you really apply in your own teams today in a, in a work setting? I think the thing I would always want for our teams, and hopefully we're creating that here with our teams, is like this notion of play for others. You know, play for your others first, at least. Mm-hmm. Play for your teammates. Do it for your teammates. So whether that means do your best on a project or facilitate, mm-hmm. whatever it means, do it for your teammates. And this notion of it's so much more satisfying, you know, quote unquote, win something or to have an excellent client, you know, client be wowed to do it for your team versus doing it for yourself. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, I, I personally get a lot more satisfaction out of that. So that notion of like selflessness, mm-hmm. um, I think the other thing, and if you, you know me and <laughs> it probably comes out is just don't take yourself too seriously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be confident in what you bring to the team, but don't ever take yourself too seriously and don't ever like, I think, don't ever think that you're above anything or, you know, above yep. doing anything. Yep, um, yeah. The other day we had this project at, at one of our client sites and we had all, it was like all hands on deck in terms of delivering mm-hmm. it. And I was going there to check in on the team. And mm-hmm. so the head of the project, you know, I could see she was like struggling with something and, and um, she was kind of looking at me and like clearly holding back, didn't want to say something. Yeah. And she's like, I was like, Hey, what's, what's going on? Yeah. You look like you're working through something. She's like, well, we need another note taker for the session. Why, you know, yeah. we don't have enough and we're down one man. Yeah. And I was like, well, so what do you want to do about it? And she's like, well, do you think you could take notes? And I'm like, well, absolutely. I can take notes, you know, <laughs> but it was just, you know, yeah. I think that notion of we should all be, willing, able, and want to jump in to help our teams in any scenario. Yeah. Um, but it was funny for me. I was like, please don't ever hesitate to ask me, <laughs> you know, like we should all yes, just- be 100% okay and willing and excited to help our team in any way, shape, or form. And so what did you think, what did you learn most about working along, uh, alongside people like Mia Hamm and mm-hmm. Abby, Abby Wambach? Mm-hmm. I, I learned so much, but I, I think this notion of you can be a fierce, fierce, fierce competitor and also be a great, great teammate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that was it. And they also, I mean, Mia Hamm, I mean, she was just an incredible athlete, incredible soccer player. Um, I mean, she lifted everybody's performance because of the expectations she had for her own performance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that notion of that, um, it really w- rubbed off on me too. I mean, and she wasn't, I mean, she was she was definitely the leader of our team, mm-hmm. uh, but she wasn't the one who was like always in your face or mm-hmm. always screaming at you or always like the most vocal on the field. But like her performance mm-hmm. was clearly setting the tone for the team. And so I think that too of like, you know, leaders can take many shapes. Yeah. Right. And so um, it, you don't always have to be the a leader doesn't have to be look like the mean. next one and look yeah. like the next one. They can be very different. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. Mm hmm. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your background. It's been great. I'm so lucky that I get to learn more about this at because uh, we work together on a day-to-day basis, but I think that that kind of gives us all the time we have today. So thank you so much yeah. for joining. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to our Cultured Podcast. If you like the show and want to learn more, check out our Cultured website, culturedcast.com. And please follow us on iTunes. If you'd like to know more about our research, visit eaglehillconsulting.com slash culture.